You are listening to the Backstage Pass podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and brought to you by Tommen. The Backstage Pass podcast is a guide for upcoming artists and newcomers to the music industry. Each week, I speak to experts in different fields, and in this episode, I'll be talking to the director of Lab Records, Mark Orr, about how acts should approach a label if they are looking to sign a record deal. Hello, Mark Orr. How are you? Hi, yeah, good. Thank you for having me. You are the director of Lab Records, which I've heard loads about. Actually, you've worked with some of my favourite artists and some of my friends, like Marzikans. Is it possible to give a succinct answer in terms of what you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll try. Um, you know, honestly, just a record label in, in the traditional sense, a, a throwback in, in some ways to, to you know, I suppose the glory days, 60s and 70s, we're in the master business, you know, we are licensing music from artists. We had our moment where we tried to be a management company and a publishing company, but just about three or four years ago, decided that what we were passionate about, where we were really having any success, the only part of the business that was really making any money was the the label. And so it just, the stars aligned. We did our um, last distribution deal with with ADA at that point and, you know, decided we were going to 100% focus on the label. Um, and, you know, in terms of that job description, yeah, it's it's really, without using too many cliches, just about partnering with with artists and their teams. And yeah, I am using cliches now, but but amplifying, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, what they're doing and, and trying to, you know, make the best, help them make the best record they can, the best video they can. And, and just pull together the best campaign um, because obviously as you know there's a thousand different ways that artists can release music at this point so yeah we have to make our case uh, it's not as easy as it was and, and we have to make our case uh, for, for partnering with an indie. Yeah that is a very good answer so I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions so that we can really get to know you. Let's do it. Um, are you ready? Yes come on. Singles or albums? Albums. Live streamed shows or virtual reality gigs? Uh, I don't know if I've seen a virtual reality gig. Uh, live stream, I guess, but maybe virtual reality uh, in time. I've only seen one and it was very strange, Yeah, but it was very immersive. And I, I think I would experience it again. But yeah, I, I think it's quite a an alternative thing. I feel like, in, <laughs> yeah, in 10 years, you know, that's going to be it. Every show is going to be in your front room. Uh, I don't know if I'm happy or sad about that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> let's do live stream for now. Pop or punk? Can't have both. Uh, pop. Yeah, I say this because I'm, I, my first kind of recollection of Lab Records was like the punk days mm. and I love all that stuff. That's 100% where I came from, 100% where we were, were kind yeah. of born from. It was probably a time when that scene, you, we kind of got out of that scene and then it blew up, which which is classic. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> we were there when nobody cared uh, and then we sort of moved away. You know, tastes change. I would. I got older. We, you know what I mean, and and so all the artists did, and and even a lot of those artists, you know, I'm sure you could go through a ton of them from from 2007 to 2011, who ended up making records that sounded wildly different. Um, yeah. You know, and, and we released some of them, uh, but but yeah, you know, I think that's where we came from. And I still, you know, would listen very fondly to records from from that time. We still maybe dip our toe in that world on occasion as well. I will always have fond memories of that time. What happens though, like day to day for you, do you have 
a kind of like creation input into what happens with the music? Uh, yeah, it really differs from project to project. So stuff that we license from the US or from Australia, we are handed, you know, to all intents and purposes, we're just handed a finished record and we are then the boots right. on the ground. We're the marketing element of it. And so in terms of creation, yeah. we offer zero and can take no credit. Um, but for the UK stuff and the more developing stuff, yes, you know, again, some projects are open to things like co-writing, producer suggestions, you know, and, and different involvement that way. We're definitely not the label that's sitting in on every studio session and trying to push you and pull you in, in a certain direction. I think if we sign the artist and want to work with the artist, then we like what you're doing already. We're, you know, we're very, very into what you're doing already. So it, it might just be our two cents or, you know, perhaps we suggest a mixer that we think might work for it or yeah, we're really bringing the last 20 or 25%, you know, we're definitely not, I think we're not there from the, um, from the birth of, of, you know, new material. We wouldn't, you know, take credit for that. I, I would think that that's kind of the right way to be uh, personally, but that I know that's very much from like an artist's perspective and not necessarily with a business head on. But I would think that that's kind of the right way to be. If artists want to approach someone like you, an indie record label, is there a certain way that they should do this? Yeah, you know, we've definitely had some horror stories and and talk about it a lot when I go into uh, colleges and and things, you know, wildly long emails with, um, you know, hundreds of megabyte attachments and stuff like that, which is definitely not not the way to go. I think just keep it as short as possible um you know again don't want to sound arrogant but 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 i think most people you approach in the music industry are quite busy um you know that it, it tends to be an all-encompassing job so if it's a label or a manager or whoever that might be keep it short keep it to the point and and do your research you know if you're coming to us as a metal band or as a jazz band or you, you know if you're if you're way off mm then um, that's that's you're going to kind of have lost before you've even started. I think whenever we send these emails or, or talk about sending these these emails to aspirational people, the goal is just pique their interest. Can we get them to listen to 30 seconds, 40 seconds of one song? That's kind of the best you can hope for. Uh, and, and after that, hopefully the song's good enough. Uh, you know, that that's sort of out of your hands a little bit. Um, but yeah, that would be what... I, and, and if you can say something that's specific, you know, you talk about even just on this call, you know, knowing a little bit about the history of the label, some of the artists, if there is an artist you're into, if you can name, doesn't have to be the most niche fact in the world but if you can name one thing which which then i know that you do like maskins or you do like you know another uh, artist then then yeah. suddenly i'm like okay you know my I, I feel like your chances of of getting through rise sort of exponentially at that point because it's just like okay this person under this person gets it this person has done their little you know bit of background research and they they understand what we're about and perhaps they've been in this for a couple of years you know they they you know they they can look back at our history and see what we're about so yeah I think you're far more likely to get um their attention at that point people will lay out that you need um an electronic press kit and you need to send them all your stats and you need to send them this and once you've gone through the list it kind of would 
be a massive email. Yes. Um, the emails that I get that pique my interest are like uh, a story which is super interesting or a bit crazy. And then mm. usually a start of some kind because yeah. without as much as it kind of takes the soul out of it without seeing something quantifiable immediately it's hard to understand where that person or brand or whatever it is is at for sure I think you know as much as I can sit here and, and tell you we don't look at data and it's all about the songs and that would be misleading it, you know of course it comes back to that and as you know the, the number changes every time I hear it but there's however many tens of thousands of songs released every Friday so you know when we started I feel mm. like you know, a six out of 10 music video, if you were a band from the UK, you could probably get on the television. You could probably get on, you know, in, in 2008 or 2009, if you spent a little bit of money on it. Now, six out of 10 music videos is going to get you absolutely nowhere um, because everybody's able to shoot to a good standard. Everybody's able to, by the same token, record to a good standard. So yeah, I think, you know, it's it's something, some little fact about you've lit the fire underneath, you know, if in normal times, non-COVID times, how many tickets can you sell at home? Because it might only be one town, but no, uh, people only have a certain number of friends and family. You know, if you're getting to a level, and, and we've seen this with some of our acts, if you're selling, I don't know, 400 tickets or, or something like that, it, you know, it's pretty hard to fake. Uh, you, you might be able to get away with that once, or mm. you might have an extended family or something. But if you're doing that a couple of times, you start to think, do you know what? There must be something here. Why do people keep paying their hard-earned money to come out and see this show? And I suppose the digital equivalent of that is is streams or, or social media to an extent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be tens and tens of thousands of numbers the same way it doesn't have to be tens and tens of thousands of tickets as much as people will say you you get knocked down and you have to get back up loads of times mm -hmm. in music it's kind of like that in any industry i think right agreed um but i think if you if you're able to build a, a fan base in on, on a live side of things or online it at least shows that you've got some kind of level of perseverance but do you feel like it's better for an artist to like make a catalogue of music and provide that to a label without releasing it as like a product that a label could release or to build something and churn out as much music as they can and then go to a label and say, we've got this, but then the music's already out. Mm. Yeah, that is the $64 million question right there. And, and I suppose the answer, yeah. if it's not sitting on the fence too much, is is there's a sweet spot in the middle of everything you just described, I feel like, where... Um, yeah, for the for the occasional artist, you're gonna get you're gonna see a record deal happen before they've released anything. I think that's a little bit of an anomaly, and you know will happen very occasionally. Generally, like I say, in this day and age, most labels are gonna want to see that you've started the fire yourself and that you have that kind of self sufficiency. Um, and and yeah, for us, I suppose if if I was quantifying it, the sweet spot is four or five songs in the world um, that you have self-released and have achieved, you know, a, a modest amount of success, I suppose. You, that can be different for different people. But, um, yeah, that, that has yeah. captured the attention of, um, be it press or fan base or what have you, and that, you know, you're not so far along um, that it feels like it's too far gone. 
but you aren't so green. You know, you have these these songs that are in the world. Hopefully you have a little bank of, I don't know, the same number again, four or five again that are just in your back pocket, unreleased to the world that you can then show to us or show to other people in the industry. And that to me feels like, you know, because from there you could build out the next 12 months or the next 18 months as a plan. And that would be the dream scenario. It it doesn't often happen like that. Uh, It doesn't often work out like that. But uh, yeah, if I could pick my blue sky perfect artist, that would be their uh, situation. Sometimes I wonder, you know, for artists who already have loads of music out already, Is that something that would put off a label from working with them? Perhaps in in sort of contrast to what I just said, I think that maybe five years ago, that being candid, that that perhaps was a thing. But in the age of streaming, you can create, you know, this, this situation and audience and quite frankly, revenues, that becomes undeniable. And it doesn't matter, uh, you know, it it can be then uh, attractive to a company that you have this catalogue, you know, when we're looking at stuff, sometimes catalogue the conversation, sometimes it isn't. But, But when we're looking at stuff, you can then map out revenues for the next couple of years, which when we started our company was impossible. You Every deal you did, was speculative, 100% speculative, mm-hmm. um, or for the most part. Whereas now, yes, of course, we have to speculate, but but you can be a little more scientific in mapping out, okay, well, if they've made, I don't know what the number is, if they've made £20,000 the last uh, a year, the last two years on, on streaming, then we have a pretty good concept that they're going to do there or thereabouts for the next two. And, and so we can, you know, you can map a deal out then. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's an interesting kind of point. But I think streaming has opened up just infinite possibilities. But the flip side is that artists, therefore, then have a business when they're at that stage. And so perhaps... The, the question comes on to us, why would we sign that deal? You know what I mean? Like they can kind of flip it around. Like I, I'm, you know, perhaps you're going through uh, label services, AWOL, perhaps you're going through TuneCore or Ditto or something like that. And, it, you know, we then have to make our case for why we would be worthy of, um, you know, a percentage of what you're making. You see what I'm saying? Because artists might be yeah. making 100% today of of their royalties so you know and yeah same conversation for a manager why would I give away 20 percent of everything I made you know what are you what value are you adding speaking of good music what is your track of the week oh wow you should have prepped me uh for that at the moment <laughs> uh it's like uh, yeah I, I don't know whether to pick oh uh, it's so hard for you actually as a it's like director picking, of a... yeah it's like picking I, I need to go outside of our lot otherwise that's uh, uh too self-promotion-y <laughs> um gosh right. we were talking about I've been listening we were talking about throwbacks and you know stuff yeah. we I think we both listened to when we were you know younger and I think it's you know particularly this year definitely on the reminiscence train and, and you know, talking about uh, listening to stuff that takes you back. So I've been listening to a bunch of the water park stuff. There's some new water parks, which wasn't my thing at all, but that's kind of been taking me back, you know, 10 years. And okay. uh, that's so that's been something. But in terms of our stuff, 
yeah, uh, there's there's a record by Becca, B-E-K-A, which just came out that we're really excited about. Um, it was produced by Hon and co-written by Hon. And so, yeah, that's kind of um, an exciting one for oh, us cool. just now. And what is the best lesson that you've learned in your career so far? Wow, that is such a good question. Um, I think just and and again it's probably the biggest cliche but just you know treat every single person how you would like to be treated i see as i'm sure you do people treating um people in the industry other people in the industry based on their standing and you know treating people oh, all the time higher up in a time. company or higher up it you know manage a bigger artist or whatever it might be they treat that person differently to um you know someone who's just starting out having done this for you know kind of 12 years i can't tell you how many quote unquote insignificant people go on to be exceptionally you know and incredibly quickly go on to be significant people you know people who are interns you know you you turn around two years later and you need a favor from them or would love a favor from them um so you just please treat everybody respond you know i know everybody gets so many emails not just people in the music industry everybody on the planet gets so many emails at this point but please do try and respond to everything be polite if it's a no if it's a pass that's fine but do it in a nice way uh, and in a polite way because you never know when it's going to come back around nice well thanks so much for speaking to me today it's been great to get a bit more insight into lab thanks for having me thanks take care Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass.